The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. We have NFL Week 10 picks, locks against the spread. We got the lines from Bovada Sportsbook, as we always do. Sean and Brad, as usual, you're listening to. We are ready to go. You are listening to the Get Paid Podcast. Brad, how you doing, my friend? I'm all right, my man. How you doing today? Doing all right, man. Busy, busy. Um, you know, the, with the NFL season, we're on the back half now. Everybody's played at least eight games. Um, yeah. Some teams have even played nine. And, uh, you know, it's that time of year, man. So now it's, it's playoff implication time. It's teams loading up. Um, and we have a, a, a list of interesting games to talk about today. We are going to talk about Buffalo, Arizona, San Francisco, New Orleans, Seattle versus the Rams, and Baltimore versus the Patriots. Um, that NFC West is heating up, man. I think it's a bunch of uh, three lost teams at this point. So, um, or maybe may, maybe Seattle's still at two. Actually, I think Seattle's at two losses, but still. Uh, going to be fun. Going to be fun one. So, you know, Brad, I don't really have a lot to talk about. You want to just jump into the game? Let's do it. Can All right. Talk about one thing real quick, brother. Sure. Did you see the interception that was that was called a pick? Right. It, it, what what game was it? I don't it remember, but I think a, I know what you're talking about. They called it a pick uh, and then they overturned it or something. No, no, no. They said it wasn't a pick because when you watch it, it was definitely not. But then they slowed it down in instant replay, and it was just the worst call I ever saw. I think it was the the Colts game. Mm. Um, I wanted to talk about that. It's like how can everybody see one thing and then the refs call it another way oh i do like, like he caught it and he was falling backward right he's falling he never really had it and then he let it go yeah he's and then they called it an yeah. interception i did see that because i had that game on i'm glad you you mentioned indianapolis because i had that game on um but i didn't have the sound on and i saw it and i'm like nah, they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna keep that interception I know. and it's like I he know. had like a, he had a grip on one and then like um you know a hand on the other one but like like a like a reverse paw or something on it, it fell down it popped out and they called it an interception it was wild man yeah it was so wild man these calls it you know that happens uh, i think it's happened less this year than last year maybe remember last Remember last year, it seemed like every week there was some type of call that like was controversial and we couldn't get it right for some reason. And I haven't seen a lot of that this year. That's just my own experience. I think it, well, I think the the reason this year is because they didn't make the pass interference reviewable this year. Okay. So okay. like we're seeing less of that, but you know, I think the my my beef has always been especially with Al Riveron, who I think is the worst head of NFL officiating in the history of the league. Yeah, you hate him. I cannot stand the guy because it's inconsistent. It's week to week. And so to me, I don't know. There's there's two thoughts. If you're a conspiracy theorist, then you think that he just has it out for teams and he just doesn't like teams so he'll go the other way if it's close. But really, I just think he's just a loose cannon. And that's why I always say he's out there with a the magic eight ball, shaking it up and saying, is it pass interference or not? Or is it an interception or not? Yeah, because, yeah. You know, it, it, and I always go back, the one that really gets me, because, look, you know, I've been watching football a long time. You have. I can see it instantly. Is it a catcher or not? When they slow it down. And I'm not saying, like, I'm, I'm great or anything like that. It's just that I've been watching officiating, and you know the rules. And if it's right. anything hairy and, and it's been called on one thing on the field, it's not going to be overturned and blah, blah, blah. But what really, really pisses me off about Al Riveron is the Super Bowl, the New England Patriots versus the Philadelphia Eagles, and I don't like either team. And in fact, I had, maybe I was a little ticked because I had money on the Patriots that time, but that long touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey, 
He catches the ball, goes to the ground. The ball moves when he hits the ground. All season long, Yeah, that was an incomplete pass. You see it there, you're like, okay, incomplete pass. Textbook for that season. Right. And he called a touchdown. And you're like, what? What? Where, where did that one come from? And then it's that over and over again with Al Riveron. And it's, it, you know, the Super Bowl was the big stage, but it's every week. And, you, you know, I watch the games you know, I watched three games at a time. There have been times, because all reviews go to New York now, there have been times where I'll see a, uh, an incompletion or whatever on one screen, and then the same exact scenario on my second screen, and one will be a completion and one will be an overturn. You know, both called on, it's not stances called, I'm talking, thing, one thing. will be overturned, one won't. Same scenario, same thing, and I'm talking about in real time, 30 seconds from each other. One's an incompletion, one's not. And yeah. when you watch like a bunch of games at the same time, maybe it's a little bit it, like it, it jumps out at you. And I'm not talking about red zone where they jump. I'm literally watching two screens at one time, seeing a review over here, a review over here, and one goes one way, one goes the other way. And you're like, what in the hell is going on? That's Al well, Riveron. He sucks. I know. He's well, awful. Well, here, this begs a question, right? Is there is there some type of human, what would be the word, interpretation that that's necessary for these calls, right? Like, in basketball, that's basically all it is, mm-hmm. right? It's it's really nothing more than the opinion of the referee at the time. Yeah. You know, often. I mean, many, many times a game. Yeah. And is that unavoidable? Well, um, but that's why they like such a, that. That's why yeah, they bring right. everything into New York now, so that they take that out of it. They'd like to remove that, right? So this we spoke about this weeks ago, I think. Yeah. And like, if, if there's ever a call, they should get a committee of seven people in, in my opinion, yeah. obviously this is the NFL Supreme answer. Court. The NFL Supreme Court, right? You <laughs> yeah. got Ironhead Hayward on there. You got Dion, <laughs> right? All three defensive players, three yeah. offensive players, and a Dude, kicker. All great personalities, <laughs> so you can't get mad at them ever. You know, yeah. Icky Woods, and um, I don't know, there's seven of them, and then they vote, and it's like, listen, anything, majority. anything would be better than Al River Run. Anything would yeah. be better than yeah. Him. When that dude, when Dean Blandino went to Fox, ugh. And the reason, you know, if you, if you're, nobody follows this stuff, so nobody probably remembers, but the reason that um, the NFL hired Riveron is because they thought he would be better in the press. Not because he's the best referee. They thought he would be the most, um, the most able to handle the press duties of that job. Not because he can interpret the rules, because he can't. He sucks, man. He sucks. Yeah. Uh huh. You you have a vendetta for him. Gosh, he's awful. Destroy all I want is cons- it's NFL officiating, man. All I want is consistency. Like I'm fine when it goes from regular season, and you know you, you can rough people up, or I'm sorry, you you can't rough people up. You can't even breathe on somebody if you're a defensive back in the regular season, and then you can maul people in the postseason. I'm okay with that because it's like you know it's it's an adjustment, but you know what to expect. That's why Bill Belichick, like he always tells his cornerbacks to be. You know, just to maul people because they're unlikely to throw pass interference if you're mauling people in the playoffs because it's, it's such a heightened thing and the officials don't want it. You know, they'll swallow the flags. And I'm not saying that as a detriment to Bill Belichick. I mean, it's a it, it, he's right. As a tactician and a strategist, he understands that there's a difference there. I'm fine with that. But when you're talking about apples to apples comparison, Riveron is all over the map, and that's the exact worst thing to do or worst thing to have in the NFL. I can't stand that guy. Yeah, right, right. It's getting worse. That's the thing. It is getting worse. Nobody knows what to do anymore. Nobody. It sucks. It 
sucks. And I don't no, understand why. Look, we've been, Brad, for years we've been watching the guy um, runs a slant, gets his hands on the ball, gets one or two steps, gets hit, the ball flies out, and it's always like, I don't know. Is it that? Yeah. Why can't we just say if he has the ball in both hands and he gets three steps down into catch? Let's just yeah. say that. No football move. Yeah. Did he do three that? Steps. Did he do that? If he gets three feet on the ground or two feet in the hands before the ball jostles out, it's a catch. Why can't we put that in the rule book? Is that so damn I complicated? I don't know. It, it, it must be because we knew what a catch was for 70 years. And then all of a sudden, Calvin Johnson catches the ball in the end zone, gets up and tosses it. Which I'm sorry. That's a catch. That's a catch, man. It's a catch. That's that Calvin Johnson one, it, it's it Look, absolutely that catch. started it all. Right? It did. And and the bugger of the thing is, is that he didn't lose the ball because somebody hit it out. Mm-hmm. Like he lost the ball because he knew he caught it and then he tossed it up, if I'm remembering it correctly. Well, he he, no, he rolled over and he kind of slammed it. It was like a spike, but he put it on the ground it and got up. It was a spike deal. It was a celebration. Because he had caught it and he was celebrating. And up until then, everybody knew that's how it went down. And and that Des Bryant versus the Packers thing, look, in the rules and in the Calvin Johnson rules, it's not a catch. So I'm not saying the Des Bryant was a catch, but realistically, guys, that's a catch. He caught the ball and he heaved forward. The ball can't caught. Right, right, right. Realistically, it's a catch. According to the rules, it it was not. Right, that's, right. That's the thing. He definitely caught it, but not according to the rules. And the rules are the rules are stupid. Like, in I'll tell you, it, talking about inconsistency, the ground can't cause a fumble. Right. If right. you're a runner, the the ball the the ground can't cause a fumble, but it can cause an incomplete pass if you have two steps down ah, and you're diving. It just look, make it three three steps or three like two feet. I'm sorry, three feet. Even if you get like, even if you're tucking the ball away, if you have the ball, you get three feet down in the process of tucking the ball away. It's a catch. Then yeah. you can measure it. You get two feet and a hand down. Like if you're diving, two feet and a hand. It's a catch. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? What what's weird is Football sometimes, move. and I think this happened on the on the play we we opened talking about mm-hmm. is in real time you watch it. And it's like, oh, there, there's no doubt about it. But if you can slow these things down to like a microscopic level, it looks different. It does. It is, it is different, right? The behavior of the ball and the movements of the arm are actually acting in a different manner, if that makes sense, yeah. you know? Um, but when the whole thing is in real time, you clearly see he didn't have complete control and bring the thing down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. kind of a mismatch. and. I don't know. I just don't want to see it get worse. It was one of the worst calls I ever saw. Yeah, it's and you know it happens. It happens probably every other week. We talk about the worst call we ever saw, but it happens yeah, all right, the time. You're right, and maybe we just avoided the topic on this this podcast. But yeah. Anyway, thanks for letting me piss and moan. Yeah, yeah. Me, you and me both. Um, let's talk about uh, the Buffalo Bills versus Arizona Cardinals. Probably in terms of this week, I would call it the marquee matchup of the week. You know, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, what's great is is there's a, a few interesting teams in the AFC East, and everybody in the NFC West is interesting. So we're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of um, NFC West versus AFC East kind of marquee matchups. Like last week, I thought it was Buffalo Seattle. This week, I think it's Buffalo Arizona. Just completely fascinated by it. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like. <sighs> 
the Buffalo, I thought that was a big win because I wanted to see what Buffalo was going to do against another elite team. And I had questions in recent weeks because that Jets... What's a big win? Yeah, and the Jets game that they won and they kicked nothing but field goals. It was like 18 to 10 or something. I was like, eh, that gave me more questions than answers. Right, right. They had dropped two, I think, to the to the Titans and the, and the Chiefs, but those are all really right. good teams. Can we talk about the Jets game for Buffalo real quick? Sure. Look, we, all know, we all know the Jets are 0-8 or maybe they're... 0-9 oh, now. Yeah. Yeah, 0 and 9 now. Okay. Um they're 0 and 9 and that's terrible, but maybe they're not as bad as their record would dictate because first of all, the Bills did not look great against the Jets, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, but that's a division game and we know that in division games, yeah. these these rules, these matchups, they kind of go out the window. Yeah. You know, it's a different animal, okay? And and we know that that the Bills or sorry, sorry, the Patriots aren't the greatest team anymore, but they're still the Patriots, and the Jets went toe-to-toe with them last night, right? Right. It's still Bill Belichick and Cam Newton at quarterback, right? So that ain't so bad. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you and me disagree. I think the, I think the Patriots aren't the Patriots anymore. I, like, I, I know Bill Belichick's there, but Cam Newton's not the on-field leader that Brady was. But, you know, they did, they did pull it off last night after Flacco throws a bad pick. <laughs> You know, basically. Where did he get out there? Huh? Yeah, I know. I, I I thought it was Darnold. I don't know if he was banged up or what happened, but you know, so I don't know. Did he did he start the game, Darnold? No, I don't think so. I think it was all Flacco. Honestly, I didn't pay attention. I was I wasn't interested. To me, it was like two bad teams playing. And Buffalo, having won against New England, I thought you know that the the division should be theirs now. Although a lot of respect to Miami, who we're not going to talk about today. Sure. Like Miami with Tua Tungavailoa. And that defense, the Miami – look, I know we, we, we always think about the Buffalo Bills defense. They're not playing lights out. The Miami Dolphins defense is probably the best defense in that division at the moment. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Meanwhile, I'm really impressed by them, man. I, I dig what's going on in Miami. Yeah, if they had a run game, they can't run between the tackles for a damn. Um, if Miami had a run game, like they're still going to be competing for a playoff spot, which is fun. We've been yeah. talking about them for a while. We, used to, we like to bet them. I think the cat's out of the bag now. You can't really get any value on the Dolphins anymore, but – you know, Arizona, meanwhile, goes toe-to-toe with the Dolphins, which is interesting since we're talking about them. And um, I got to say, like, Kyler Murray last week played incredible. And I had the game on. It was one of those games I was watching without sounds because I was watching a different game on my primary. And uh, I was watching. Every time I looked over, one of these teams was scoring. And But I look back, and I look at Kyler Murray, and I'm like, well, well how did Arizona lose the game? They had a turnover on downs, and then they gave up another um, defensive touchdown. Basically, Miami scores a defensive touchdown for like the eighth straight week. They're scoring every week. It's it's nuts what that yeah. defense is doing. But Kyler Murray is playing. We've been talking about Russell Wilson all year. Kyler Murray, I still don't think he's having quite the season that Russell Wilson is, but he's got to be in the MVP discussion. He Back is. too, right? <sighs> He is playing. He's phenomenal, man. He's God, playing that guy. Like I think Russell Wilson's just having an all-time season this year so far. But there's a lot of football left, man. Russell Wilson, or I'm sorry, Kyler Murray to me is outplaying Lamar Jackson from last year, who was last year's MVP. Yeah, right. He's man, incredible. He, he looks dialed in. He look. He's incredible. You're right. He looks dialed in. He looks super in control with everything he does. Very Russell Wilson-esque, right? Yeah. It's like everybody else is playing three steps slower than Kyler Murray. It's it, it is like watching right. a younger Russell Wilson, but a faster Russell Wilson with a yeah. better arm. Yeah, right. It is like, I, I, and you and me. I mean, again, like we will will offer it up if 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 we're wrong. And I had very serious doubts as as did you about Kyler Murray's um, height. 
Wasn't worried sure. about anything else. But I was really surprised at how strong his arm is. Like, you know, you right. would think that... He throws a great ball. Oh, my gosh. And it doesn't matter if DeAndre Hopkins is involved in the game plan or not. He, he just finds... He's just so damn good. He right. really is. Right. Um, and Josh Allen, by the way, is playing great. Like, I was a little worried that the league maybe had figured out Josh Allen... But then Josh Allen comes out against kind of a struggling Seattle Seahawks team and lights them up. He had a great week last week, over 400 yards, four total touchdowns, three through the air, one on the ground. So both of these quarterbacks had fantastic games last week. Yeah, you know, and uh, boy, that Seattle defense is terrible. They are terrible. What happened there, man? They're terrible. And they're lucky they have maybe the the best quarterback or at least the one that's playing the best in his prime right Right. now as their quarterback because if they had anything less than that, that team would be 2-6. and They'd be the worst team in the division if it weren't for Russell Wilson. For sure, for sure. Uh, But, you know, I guess you could say the same thing about the Arizona Cardinals if they didn't have Kyler Murray. I mean, it it really— I know. You could say that about a lot of teams. Yeah, sure. But the point I'm trying to make is their defense is so bad yeah. That unless they have the best guy, they may be the worst team in the league. Then with the Jets, right? I mean, because how do you, if you don't have a super productive quarterback, how do you even possibly contend? You find yourself yeah, down right. 18, 17 with a you know a quarter and a half, you're screwed. You know what's interesting about the Cardinals um, and the Seahawks is coming into the season, you and me, we both picked Arizona to be the fourth place team in the division. And Cardinals fans don't don't scream at us because we both loved every team in the NFC West. And we thought that the Cardinals could possibly be a nine and seven fourth seed. Um, I mean, we were we were talking about that. We loved every team in the West. And if it weren't for the 49ers, massive amount. Right. I mean, their injuries are just incredibly Blake. Oh man, man. I yeah, don't know that look, there's been a team more snake bitten in injuries than no, the 49ers so. ever. 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 Right? Not even close, man. And uh, uh, so I don't feel bad for them. Right. But, ex- yes. Yeah. But like right. coming into the season, we both like Seattle. I picked Seattle to go to the Super Bowl. I believe you did as well. I can't remember. Uh, I believe I did pick Seattle. Did we both pick Seattle? I think we both picked Seattle from from the NFC, and you picked Pittsburgh from the AFC, and I picked Kansas City. So I, I believe yes, we both right, had right. Seattle in. And the card, what's interesting is I thought the Seattle Seahawks defense would be playing as well as the Arizona Cardinals defense is. So it's one of these things where, like, I knew the Cardinals defense was going to be better. I liked what they did in the offseason. You got Vance Joseph. I believe it's his second year being the defensive coordinator there. I thought that it was going to take another season for the Cardinals defense to do what they're doing now. Dude, they're playing really well. Again, I'm taking the Miami stuff out of the equation. Like every every now and then, a team just does well. And Tua, uh, you know, it was really basically Tua's first game actually throwing the ball, and he did better than I thought he would. And so whatever, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing last week out the window. But the Cardinals, the, to me, the deep. I, I gotta I'll be honest with you, how I'm seeing them play right now, and Arizona beat Seattle. I'm not uh, like I think Arizona might be the better team because mm-hmm. the defense they is just be. so much yeah. better than Seattle's defense. Yeah. Yeah, they might be. Uh, I'm not going to argue that. Um, it's possible. I do think that Russell Wilson with DK Metcalf, uh, they're so strong. Yeah. Um, by the way, the the ESPN did a special on on DK Metcalf. I don't know if you caught that. It was in one of the you know the countdown. I, I try I not know. to watch ESPN anymore, so I I did not see it. I'm with you on that. I'm still hanging in there because I don't know what else I would do with myself. Yeah, right. Uh, besides drink. Um, <laughs> But man, they did a special on that guy. Have you actually really seen that guy? Like what he looks like? Yeah, he's a giant. 
Jesus, man. It's weird that a human can be created like that. Yes. How can anyone stop that guy? No, nobody can. It's insanity. I've never seen anything like that. Not only that, he has a work ethic too, that guy. Yeah, you yeah know? he does, right. He's a, he's all in. Yeah, he's all in, he's and all he's in. got the he's got the quarterback that we say you know we've we've projected to be like one of the have his best years, and he's a Hall of Fame quarterback in Russell Wilson. And you know, I, I really do compare Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson quite a bit because Kyler Murray is better in his second year than Russell Wilson was in his second year. It's it's just an exciting. The NFC West is so exciting. Switching it over because we've been giving them a lot of love. Switching it over to Buffalo. Josh Allen is playing well. I'm curious in this matchup though because Buffalo. Buffalo's not really running the ball, and I've been saying this all year. I don't think it's because they can't run it. I think it's because they just choose not to run it. Okay, well, what leads you to believe that? I don't know. I mean, because last like last year it was the same thing. I think Brian Dable is an offensive coordinator, just likes to sling the ball. Just like maybe uh-huh. Dirk Cutter. Not as not as crazy as Dirk Cutter, I don't think. But And I'm not saying he calls a bad game. Like I don't like the way Dirk Cutter calls a game. I actually really like Brian Dable quite a bit for Buffalo. Uh-huh. But, you know... I I saw them like when they need something happens and like, you can you can see it. You remember in the playoffs last year when Josh Allen was kind of going nuts and he did the lateral and like and all that yeah, stuff. Or just yeah, like or like yeah. young young quarterback pressure. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's getting to him. Well, this year when Dable sees it, and this I think this is a, a really big compliment of of Buffalo and Dable when they kind of see Josh Allen kind of getting the like the freak out meter, the the needle starting to go up a little bit. They'll dial up some runs or dial up some screen passes, and they're incredibly efficient. Everything calms down. It's like they let the pressure out of the gauge or whatever, and then Josh Allen starts carving people up again. But yeah. I don't I don't know. There's there's something, and we know Buffalo, the weather is going to turn there. I think that Buffalo is going to need to rely on the run game. I believe in it, but I don't know that we've seen it. So I, don't, I don't really don't know. And yeah, the car- well, if, if they don't need it, Josh Allen, man, when he's on – the guys, he's he's been playing really well. I know he, he had those two games where he was kind of off, um, and one was against the Jets, so that didn't help his cause. But... And I believe the weather was bad in those games too. But yeah, you know, I, I, it is Buffalo. The weather is going to get bad and worse and worse through, throughout the season. But I mean, there's nothing that absolutely says that you have to implement a run game in order to be successful. There have been teams that have survived without that. Yeah, I think just for the majority, it it helps. You know, it's yeah. like. If Green Bay ain't running and if Tampa's not running, like then it's it's really not working anywhere else. And that's usually how it goes, but I don't think that has to be the case. Let me hit you with the line in this one, man. So Buffalo on the road versus Arizona. Bavada has them at, uh, what is it, 1.5. They're getting 1.5 points on the road at Arizona. What mm-hmm. do you think about that? I'm going to... Um... I'm actually going to give the nod to Arizona, maybe for the first time. I'm going to give them a little bit of credit here as a team that is a big dog, right? And, yeah. and is dialed in and can can compete and play with the with the other good teams. And um, who knows? Maybe I'll be proven wrong. But at home, they seem dialed in. I'm going to give them the nod. I think it's going to be you know pretty high scoring game. I think the difference between Arizona and Seattle last week. I think Arizona will be able to run with greater efficiency versus Buffalo. Um, them at home, they also come off a loss that really, they, I think they missed a field goal. They should have at least been in overtime in that game. And I think they actually probably outplayed Miami, but it didn't show up on the scoreboard. So I think Arizona left that on the field. They'll come out um, with a little bit more urgency because of that. And I think they smell blood with Seattle and they want that division. Buffalo, um, you know, I like Buffalo. like both of these teams. I say it every week. I'm going to take Arizona here um, and we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be one of the more fun games to watch this week. For sure. All right, let's move it on. We got the San Francisco 49ers versus the New Orleans Saints. Um, 
interesting game to me because the Saints get back Michael Thomas and absolutely destroyed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Destroyed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The anomaly of the year? That was the... You know, I've been saying this about New Orleans. Is I think we might have even talked about this last week. It's like... The Saints lose on that Monday night football early in the season. Michael Thomas not play. They lose to the Raiders, and everybody's like, ugh. But then I looked at last week, and I'm doing the power rankings, and New Orleans is 5-2, and two, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, everybody, you know, 5-2, and two, and they haven't had their best players. They've had a lot of injuries. Okay, maybe they're pretty good because they haven't been at full strength. It was almost like yeah. the 49ers last year. I think they started yeah, undefeated, right, and they were right. missing half their team. You know, it makes me think of... Um, Stefan Diggs leaving Minnesota, mm. and then all of a sudden they, they can't really have the same offense. It's yeah. just like this one piece is missing, and um, and maybe that's what was happening in New Orleans. Maybe just that one special piece that makes the, the whole thing go, the straw that serves the drink, and they didn't have him, and now he's back, and it was like a different unit, man. You know, like, I, honestly, that, that Vegas um, Monday Night Football game, I remember watching it and thinking, like, gosh, Drew Brees looks like, on th- on third and fives, Drew Brees looks like he's trying to fight back tears. Yeah, because where yeah. does he go on third and five? He goes to Michael Thomas. Every sure. single... It's like it's like uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I mean, it's just you that... Know, or, or even just the threat of yeah. Michael Thomas. That You know, he doesn't necessarily have to go there, but the fact that he's out there changes everything. Changes right? it. But boy, did they, they had the energy, they were in sync, they were, they were themselves again, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, Taysom Hill comes in and rips one off, and that guy's all fired up, man, and I know that we, we haven't been the biggest fans of taking out Drew Brees no, and putting yeah. Taysom Hill, but I will say this, there is something about putting that guy in there, and he makes some awesome gain of 13 with his mm. feet, mm-hmm. right? That probably raises the energy of the club as a whole. Yeah. And I, that's valuable. I don't mind it. Uh, what When I really hate it is when it's second and goal or it, it, basically a goal situation. Uh-huh. And then they take – if you're going to do it, then don't leave Drew Brees on the field. The whole, like, let's split Drew Brees out well, and yes, have him line up I as a wide so. receiver. Yes. Why do that? Why do that? Because why then you're that? playing 10 yeah. on 11. Right. Because that Drew Brees is not going out on a route. He's not. Yeah. And nobody thinks he is. Yeah, and I mean, then the only threat there would be a, a backwards yeah. level of the breeze in which he. Throws you're not going to do that on the goal back. line. Give me a break. But you're not going to do that, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, that that to I me is just that too. that's that's you know that's you know Sean Payton drives me nuts with that stuff, and and every offensive coordinator does that. If you're going to do it, you know I always say this like Tim Tebow and, and the Saints actually tried to sign Tim Tebow before they got Taysom Hill for this role, and I've said this for years. If Tim Tebow. You know, world's greatest Christian who somehow can't get over his ego and his pride. If he could just be the one yard guy, you know, like get him in there yes, and get right, you one right. yard on that a. That could have been him. That could have been him. That. As long as a coach was willing to have him on board for something like that. But I'm and sure Peyton there wanted him. Been some. But anyway, but like I, what I'm trying to say is like, it, look, if you're going to take Drew Brees out, that's a question mark. But if you're going to take him out and split him out at wide receiver and basically. That's ridiculous. I, I, it's I ridiculous. 100%. So take him out. Let he'll take let you do the the run pass option. Fine, do it. I don't he's love not it. A do it. Threat out there. He's I don't not. understand what that would. Right. No. What, what would that do to the defense? Like, no. I mean, if you're, it, it, it's just it's 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 dumb. 
It's asinine. It is. It is stupid. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that. But getting back to the, the Saints, like I, I think coming in there, like everybody's talking about the Bucs. They're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, Brady, the only reason the, the Saints won that first game is because Brady was rusty and not rusty, but didn't have the chemistry with the receivers in week one. Yada. I think the Saints, first of all, the Saints defensive backfield, who I think is, are among the best defensive backfield in football when they feel like it. That's yeah. my thing with the Saints is like they're never up. But when they're up, you can't complete a pass on them. And their, de- well, their run was, defense is always strong. That was the point I was trying to make. They played against Tampa with this energy that oh I had seen that, man. They were, in, they were too tough, man. And Tampa had the opposite going. What was their deal? Can we talk about their – what were they, hungover? Or what <laughs> was the problem? I don't know, man. I love it in the press, though. Arians always skewers Tom Brady in the press after a game like that. He but... does. He always pokes him. <laughs> the player's coach is skewering Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady. What do we hear for for years from Tom Brady? Is he he bristles with with Bill Belichick, who skewers him inside team meetings? It, yeah, Arians doesn't that. do that, but he lets him have it in the press. Well, come on, go. We had guys open. I don't know what to tell you. It's, you know, it's like a total dig. He keeps doing it. I know. I know. It's awesome. Antonio Brown, I saw Antonio Brown miss a couple balls, but anyway, I mean, like all 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 credit to, to the Saints. I mean, they came out. I think they look. Th- this has been consistently the best team in the NFC, and I'm talking about like you know the 49ers were the best team last year. I'm not saying that, but the Saints over the last five years, they are the team of the NFC, and I think that everybody's yes, forgotten about right. them this year when they were five and two going into that game, and I think they were just like. Okay, we well, got our team I'll back. Too. Look, We're going to remind people. I called it completely wrong. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I called it completely wrong. I'll admit that. I thought Tampa was going to take them out because I had this feeling that the Saints and their window uh, was, was over. Sure. Right? It just I just kind of had that feel. Yeah. But I could not have been more wrong. No. Yeah. About that game, Sean, you know, it's like – Maybe once a year you beat the crap out of somebody else and everything goes your way. And maybe once a year you just get boat raced and nothing goes your way. Right. Maybe it's nothing more than that and you, you throw the film away and you just move on. Yeah. And could it be that or, or should we apply more meaning to what happened out there? Well, I think, it, you know, because we say this about that Tampa Bay-Green Bay game, you know, we say, ah, just throw the tape away. If they play again, it'll be close. But – I think we kind of said the same thing about Green Bay, San Francisco last year after the week because you were you were actually at my house. You traveled up to right. Chicago. We watched that game. And I thought that San Francisco would win that game and safely cover, but I thought it was going to be a closer game. Then they play in the NFC Championship, and it wasn't a contest as we— Well, so there was meaning to that then is what you're saying. Yeah. It did so mean I believe that the Saints, if they play the Bucs in the playoffs, and I think both of these teams will safely be in the playoffs, if that's a matchup, I think the Bucs match up poorly— against um, Seattle because or uh, the New Orleans because New Orleans's run defense is always good and the defensive yeah. backs and I say this like when they feel like playing they're probably among the top five defensive backfields in the league but they just aren't always up but uh-huh. they get up for Tampa Bay well that's divi- right we were talking about division games yeah and they're their own animal and if you can't get up for that then yep. something's wrong but yeah meanwhile they up like this this game last year it was like I think was it both teams were in the fifties or the high forties, this the Saints versus the 49ers. One of the best games of the season for sure. And um and it's just like San Francisco in addition to having everybody injured, and I was like ten of their top eleven players were out last week against Green Bay. 
what the heck is going to happen. Now, I think they'll get a lot of these guys back from the COVID list, but... Well, yeah, that's the thing. Not only was it injuries, but there was a few COVID guys as well. It's like five. Wasn't it something like 16 starters didn't play from the year before against Green Bay? It's unbelievable. Look, look Green Bay won, and they should have won, right? They but should have. They should have, and they, yeah. they won exactly the way they should have, right? Yep. Um, you, can't, you can't give them any real props for that. You know but, what I'm uh, looking... What I'm really looking forward to, San Francisco, is next year everybody is going to remember this, these struggles and completely forget that they're missing <clears throat> two-thirds of their starting roster. Yeah. And so right. we're going to be able to well, bet San Francisco and make a lot of money next year. Okay, that's a possibility. Now let's talk about whether or not they're going to keep Jimmy G. I, I, You know, I saw a mock draft, and they took a quarterback in the mock draft. I, You know, who knows what will happen. But, you know, this offseason, what are they going to do? They're going to sign Dak Prescott for 35 mil? I don't know, like, what you do. If I'm San Francisco, you have oh. Jimmy G towards a pretty nice contract. I think they should keep him. I do. Yeah. Uh, you could do a heck of a lot worse, but he can't stay on the field. Yeah, it is a problem. Right? You're this right. Is, didn't he miss all? Was it last year he missed? No, it was, the, it was the year before, right? Yeah, he missed a lot of games the year before. He missed like 14 games. And Mullins like was the starter there that. Yes. Yeah. Right. And um, so this is this is the second or third instance where he's not on the field. Yeah. And you know the the saying goes, "What staying on the or staying healthy is also a skill." Some guys can do it, and some guys can't. You know, and maybe another, he's that. Another thing, like I, when the Shanahan's were in Washington, and when I was still really following that franchise, <clears throat> something I noticed is that they were all of their key players were always injured in Washington. It was like all of their offensive line would get injured, their skill players, and all that stuff. Well, now Shanahan's over in San Francisco. I'm curious to see. If they Is brought some athletic like, trainers over there, like, are they not, seriously, are they not stretching right, right. well enough? Well, you, I'd like to think that a professional you organization would, would have that locked down. Like, that, right? You like, would think. But do they have yeah, a group of guys think. that they've always liked? I'm, I'm really I'm curious because this is the second year well, in a row now that San Francisco has lost key players. It is odd. Are they not being prepped and, and cared for like they should? And I think, though, that if that was the case, um, players would come out because obviously players would know what's expected. Yeah. Wouldn't they? Having been on other teams and knowing what the deal is yeah. and all of a sudden you're not getting that. I, I'd like to think, but who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but, you know, it's it's to me it's something I'm tracking. You know, it's – if this happens a third year in a row, are you calling it just a fluke? Or is this just like, okay, why are they the ones that are always popping their hamstrings and tearing well, their ligaments? Another, that's another excellent point. If it's the third year in a row, then yeah, I least, mean, at least two out of three, something like that. Because last year, no. They last year was bad. They didn't have, yeah, right, and this right. year is bad. So if it happens again next year, you know, I don't know. Or but, do these things just come around? I don't know. So anyway, let me hit you with the line here, man. San Francisco, Bovada has it, plus seven. At the New Orleans Saints, who do you got? San Francisco plus seven at Saints. Um, well, I don't know how many of those starters are coming back, yes. but um, I, I imagine not half of them. Yeah, you know, maybe two or three. I would guess. Who knows? So uh, Saints have to be Saints. Yeah, I, I I think I have to take the Saints here as well, just because it's Nick Mullins versus Drew Brees, and they have their players back. Right. I right, think San Francisco right, will right. play better than people think, but seven points, you know, Mullins hasn't 
played lights out exactly everybody. I mean, he laid an egg versus Philadelphia. Um, yeah. I I'm think not... San Francisco will play better than people think. Yeah. And I think New Orleans won't play as good as they did last right. week. Right. However, I still think they can manage to win by, by 10. Yeah, I agree. Easy. I agree. Agreed, agreed. Next game on the list, we got the Seattle Seahawks versus the Los Angeles Rams, two more NFC West teams. Uh, Rams coming off a bye week, uh, Seattle coming off a loss. Uh, Russell Wilson played his worst game of the season, still had like really nice n- statistical numbers outside of the turnovers, turned the ball over four times, and that really was the difference in the game. But I think, you know, r- the real difference in Seattle's game is the once Chris Carson, Chris Carson is just a different running back. He runs with so much physicality. Without him on the field, like it changes the, the identity of the Seattle Seahawks. Then they become yeah. a shootout team. Yeah. And with respect to that Buffalo Bills matchup, Buffalo's defense has been struggling just like Seattle's has been. But the strength of Buffalo's defense is their vertical passing, uh, their ability, yeah. especially on the sidelines, to match up with guys like Lockett and Metcalf. Whereas the strength of the Seattle Seahawks defense and their struggles is the run game. Buffalo does not care about running the ball at all. They barely had any attempts. Sure, sure. And so they were able to— yeah, they were able to, yeah. to attack Seattle's weakness, whereas Seattle, how they would attack Buffalo's weakness would be with Chris Carson. They didn't have him. They had some inferior guys, in my opinion. I'm not a big believer in DJ Dallas or Travis Homer, and they didn't run with physicality. It turned into Russell Wilson going into the teeth of the Buffalo defense. He yeah. throws some picks, gets some turnovers. Basically, he, Seattle did exactly what Buffalo wanted him to do, and yeah. uh, and that's what it is. So I think what we saw, and this is not my own unique thought. I heard this the other day, but I completely agreed with it. I think, you know... The, the saying, let Russ cook, and he's the man, and he's a wizard out there, mm-hmm. and he's spectacular, right? But then it can go a step too far when he starts forcing things, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden, he becomes a chucker, yeah. you know? And he, he's just throwing things up to make things happen, and that's when you get four turnovers. And um, I think that's the danger in him being so great and carrying that entire team. Yeah. And I think that's very possible to happen again, man. If he feels like he has to press and do it all himself, I think that's what you're going to get, and that is a problem. I think this is a really interesting matchup. Um, and again, to me, it, it, Seattle's at their best when they play two-dimensional. And sh- you know Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator, wants to run the ball with Carson. But in two games, DJ Dallas, he, it's just a— it's just a different look. And I don't know if Seattle Seahawks fans, if you're watching this, comment below. But it's just a different look. That's why I always said, you know, fantasy football players are going crazy about Rashad Penny when he got drafted. They were going crazy about DJ Dallas this year when he got drafted. Everybody always wants to, at least fantasy football players, like say, oh, Chris Carson, he's going to get his job taken away. If you watch the games, you're like, Chris Carson, every time he gets hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage and still gains four yards. He falls forward like two yards every time he gets hit. That's rare. And, you know, DJ Dallas, like, those guys just aren't that. Carlos Hyde is pretty good, but he's been out too. So, you know, the depth of the running game goes away. Then it makes Seattle almost that one-dimensional thing. And they're at their best when they can do both. Right, sure. And this Rams, look, I I don't think this Rams offense is as good as they were two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl, but they're good enough to get it done. I think Seattle— Yeah, yeah. Like, the Seattle— you got Aaron Donald, you're good enough. yeah. Yeah, he's and, that type of guy. Yeah, you need Chris Carson to run against Aaron Donald because yeah, you can't even double right. team the guy. Right, I Aaron know. Donald. He's, a freak. he's he's maybe the best defensive player in the league. Right, he's that type of dude. Possibly, uh, possibly the best interior offensive line. Probably the best interior offensive lineman since Reggie White. Yeah, right. Well said. I mean, man, what a compliment that is. Hey, I, you can't even double team the guy. Yes, right, right. You can't even do that. So unbelievable. 
Yeah, unbelievable. So if you got a guy like that, you're you're in every game and your defense is always good enough because, mm-hmm. you know, you're a play away from a huge sack or a turnover every down, right? I got to say, like the Rams defense, I had real questions when Ray, Wade Phillips left. I remember real questions about when Wade Phillips left and their defense is strong, probably stronger yeah. this year yeah, and getting yeah. better. So to me, it's like, you know, I still think Seattle is, you know, my team to beat in the NFC. I'm not moving yet, but, you know, their defense has to improve quickly. But the Rams passing attack is good enough to really carve up Seattle's secondary the way they're playing. Yes, yes, I agree. I feel like, and I feel like the Rams with, all right, let me say this. If the Seattle Seahawks don't have either Carlos Hyde or Chris Carson, I think Chris Carson at least will be uh, questionable. I believe that the Rams' running game will be more effective against Seattle's defense than the Seattle Seahawks' running game will be against the Rams. So to me, I think the better of the running teams probably wins the game. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Um, I will say this, though. When we come down to picking the, this game, mm-hmm. when, when you ask me, I'm going to take the same stance I have taken for the past eight weeks. Yeah. You know the stance. Don't I you? do. Right. I do. I, all the stuff we talked about gets thrown out the window when you ask me to pick this game. Yeah. I'll be it's, honest. It's Russell Wilson. Do you pick against Russell Wilson? Well, let me give you the line now because you're okay. going to like this line. Bavada is giving Seattle one point in this matchup on the road against the Rams. Wow. 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 I do like that line a lot. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you take Russell Wilson in points. <clears throat> exactly. I take Russell Wilson in points every time. Yeah. Probably for the end of his career, especially this year, but maybe always. Yeah, it's like the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. If their line's ever under seven, I take Patrick Mahomes minus oh, seven sure. his for entire sure. career. Because if you try to go the other way, you're being too cute about it. You're I trying agree. to be too smart about the whole thing. Yeah. Come on, man. Take the odds are you're going to hit. I took Seattle last week minus three, but when I saw that Chris Carson was ruled out, I was like, I don't like That's that. I would I would have switched it to a no bet. I'm going to take the same stance. I'll take Seattle plus a point here. But yeah. if Chris Carson is not active. I'm just going to not bet it, but I will take Seattle on the pick, you know. Yeah, but uh, respect to the Rams, man. Like, dude, if the Rams win and the Seahawks drop to three losses, I believe the Rams have three losses, I think. I, I might be wrong on that. But I, I believe, believe they do. I, I think they're they do, five and three. Man, this division. And then you got the Cardinals, too. If the Cardinals can take a big if, if they can take care of business against Buffalo, you got a bunch of three-loss teams there duking it out. But we knew it, man. We knew this NFC West. They're going to win everywhere else and then beat up on each other. So it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun close to the season for the NFC West. Last game of the week, man, we got the Baltimore Ravens versus the New England Patriots. Two teams, in my opinion, going in completely different directions. Um, Look, my my thing with Baltimore, I've been criticizing them a little bit. I mean, Brad, you and me both agree that Baltimore's a top five team, or at at worst, a top five team in the league, I think. At least I think that. Um, I'm earlier on selling my Patriots stock than everybody else. I just don't believe that Cam Newton can get it done. I, he came yeah, out. Yeah, I'm coming on. I, I'm 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 bored with that. Yeah, uh, to be honest, Cam Newton, man, I it's know. just he's just not the on the field leader. And let me say this: he's I, not. He's not. And his body language is poor. I don't know if anyone else sees that, but he just yes. right. He when you're a quarterback, that stuff matters. It does. It does matter, right? You're leading the squad, and he is not. He's not the general, man. He 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 looks like he's pressing and trying, and like it's not a lot of fun, right? It's a lot of bravado. Like he's a good he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but it's like he's not Tom Brady, you know. And I'm not gonna like it's. It, 
he's you know the Patriots are never going to get Tom Brady back. But what I think everybody, our, me included, I won't throw you in this mix, but like we we say Bill Belichick is the greatest tactician and all that stuff. But what I started seeing the last couple of weeks, um, you know, going away from that, and I said, you know, you got to believe in the Patriots, yada, yada. You know, they always, especially when they're underdogs, blah, blah, blah. In the last couple of weeks with Cam Newton, there's a difference. When Cam Newton throws two or three interceptions, he kind of sulks off the field, sits on the bench, know, shakes his head. I know, I know. Tom Brady throws two or three interceptions. He's screaming at people. And, yeah, right. It's and a difference. Not, it is a difference in, like, you know, if you're a Patriots player, or like if you're Julian Edelman, who I know has been injured, but if you're like one of these guys, like you're used to a certain. Um, I would I would say that if a quarterback throws a pick, sorry to interrupt, Sean, and he gets fired up and he's yelling and he's angry, that's more productive than despair. Yeah. Despair does no good for morale, and that's what Cam Newton produces, right? Yeah, it's like it's almost like you're holding everybody up to your same expectations. And I'm not going to say like personality one way is one or the other. I'm just going to make this point: is that the Patriots are used to seeing one thing from their quarterback, and it gets like it's just fired up and and accountability. And the way Cam Newton is accountable is he takes it on his shoulders, and he almost degrades a little bit. He's a tool, man. He's a he's a douchey tool, right? (laughs) But let me, it's all bravado and he, not a whole lot of substance, and that's douchey tool. One thing, did you watch, because I know we were referencing earlier, did you watch the whole Baltimore-Indianapolis game, or did you just see highlights of it? I just saw highlights. Okay. Well, I noticed early in that Baltimore-Indianapolis game, and Indianapolis's defense is legit. And so I saw that. I picked Baltimore to cover, but I thought Indianapolis would do a nice job defensively because they're, you know, Baltimore, what do they want to do? They want to run. Indianapolis is great against the run. So I thought it was going to be more of a defensive game. And that's what it was for most of the time. And I thought that Baltimore would eventually, because of their style of running is so physical, that eventually they'd be able to kill the clock and and extend the lead in the fourth quarter. That ended up happening. I've been wrong about plenty, but I was right about that. Yeah. What I noticed early in that game, because that was one of the games I had on, and I've noticed this in times, and you know Lamar Jackson, his starting record, especially in the regular season, is like out of this world. It's insane, It's like 20-something right? and five, isn't it? So, you're right. So he doesn't face a lot of adversity, With right? With like three losses are to the Chiefs. <laughs> right? I know. I know. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. And you know the playoffs. I, I'm not going to hammer him too much on the playoffs. But one thing that I will say about the playoffs, they lost to the Chargers a couple years ago. They lost to the Titans last year. And what I saw in the Indianapolis game is I think he might have thrown an interception you know, Indianapolis was controlling that game early. They were up 7 nothing, but then they gave up the defensive touchdown. The Ravens' defense got him back in the game. So I think it was 7-7, seven and seven, and maybe Lamar Jackson. Basically, the offense wasn't doing anything. But again, for me, that was like, okay, I mean, it's the Colts' defense. They're really good. Just like the Baltimore's defense is really good. It's kind of on start. I, I saw the same thing that I've been seeing in the playoff games, and, and the, very, the very few times that Lamar Jackson loses a game or doesn't play well is he gets sulky. Uh-huh. And and he's just okay. like, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and and I started thinking about, you know, you watch the mic'd up. Everybody probably did the mic'd up from the Super Bowl, Kansas City. They're losing by like 15 points, like in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. And I remember Matt Moore, the backup quarterback for Kansas City, goes to Cam or uh, goes to um, Patrick Mahomes like, okay, man, you got to believe. He's trying to pick him up. You got to believe. You got to believe. And Patrick Mahomes goes, hey, man, I'm believing. Like, yeah, just like, right, yeah, of course. Right. Of course I believe. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll come back, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And he just There's sits down, looks at that. his looks at a sheet, not a big deal, blah, 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 blah. You believe. Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. Okay, yeah, from what we've seen so far. From what we've seen so far, 
he gets frustrated. And I think when he gets frustrated, he degrades. And to me, that's like a young quarterback kind of thing. Sure, sure, yeah. Well, too much emotion out there probably isn't great, right? And that's what we're talking about with Cam. Yeah. You know? And, and um, that's that's exactly what I thought about when I saw it. it was like, he's kind of like Cam. He gets a little sulky when he's not playing well. And I don't think yeah, that's yeah. good for everybody. That's, that's one of the knocks on Rodgers, right? When the other guys aren't doing what they should, he... <laughs> He lets him know in like a pissy kind of way, you know, like for some reason it doesn't land very well, right. even though we all know he's right. Like yeah. we all know the guy's right. Is there You're right. That doesn't think he's right. That's the whole, that's the odd thing of the whole deal, but it's, it doesn't come across it doesn't land, you know? We all kind it's of like, like if you're in a relationship and the other person will let you know about it and you do something wrong, you're just like, oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm going to hear right, about this. Right. I'm going to be hearing about this for the I next know. three weeks. I know. I know I'm wrong. <laughs> I know. Damn it. Do I have to hear about it? Should have asked for directions. I showed up yeah, to the party know, 15 know, minutes late. Screwed yeah. the whole night and my whole month. Yeah, That's Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Yeah, when you go to the sideline, it's when you fumble or you drop a pass or a touchdown or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. Even though he's spot on. We don't want to hear it. Yeah, I anyway, should have. Anyway, we got off on a tangent. Yeah, anyway. But, but no, like these these quarterbacks. So, I mean, here's the thing, though. If you're talking about matchup-wise, I just – look, the, the Patriots, I think the Patriots' strength at this point, they're defensively. We talked about matchups, right? This, the Patriots' strength defensively, they match up better against passing teams. They would match up to me better against a Pittsburgh, better yeah. against a Kansas City than they do against Baltimore. Baltimore is just going to punch him in the mouth repeatedly, and I think it's going to go kind of similarly but better. Yeah. Then what happened with the Colts? They're going to punch New England in the mouth. They're going to get like three yards a carry for the first half. And then in the yeah. second half, they're going to get five and a half yards per carry. And the addition of um, Lamar Jackson in his speed, you still can't game plan for. You can't. 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 Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, I don't know, man, because he hasn't been as effective lately, right? There's been a dip off in production. I mean, the well, guy was the MVP last year, was he not? Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you live up to that every year? You you probably can't, but there he has been figured out a bit. And the way you do it is you make him throw. Mm-hmm. You make him throw right? deep. You crash up your safeties to crash up the the Mark Andrews seam route. But, but here's the thing, Sean: Are the Baltimore Ravens trying to turn him into a thrower? Essentially saying. We want to keep you around, which I get, mm-hmm. right? We want to enhance your 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 throwing game because that's very important. But when you do that, maybe you take a like maybe you take his uniqueness away from him because he doesn't want to play that way, possibly, right? You see what I'm saying? I, I think I think he wants. I think Lamar Jackson recognizes that he he needs to improve his downfield passing. Because yes. what happens, I say this about the Ravens all the time, is when the Ravens are playing somebody that they're not going to be able to run against and a team that has a good passing attack, then then they're, they're going to have trouble winning the game. And I tell you right now, Seattle would give Baltimore problems because Seattle's better against the run than they are passing. And Lamar Jackson at this point isn't good enough to really make people pay downfield. And Russell Wilson, even against an amazing Baltimore defense, would put up points. We saw it with Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers um, a couple weeks ago. That game came down to the wire. But Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's offense is good enough to put up 25 points and you know take a lead or whatever, even though they were behind in most of that game. And Kansas City, that's why Kansas City gives Baltimore problems. Mm-hmm. But a team like New England that can't really score a lot of points, they're going to bludgeon New England to death. Yeah, right. And it, every quarter, they're going to win every quarter by three or four points. So it's not going to be yeah, like something right, that's right. 
really like, oh man, they're dominating. But at the end of the game, you're going to look up and they're going to have won by like two touchdowns. And it's, it's not going to ever be in doubt. Sure. I think that's sure. the kind of game this is. I can see that. Agreed. Well, let me hit you with the line then, just since uh, since I mentioned kind of what I think will happen. Bavada has Baltimore minus 6.5 versus the Patriots. Who do you got? I'm taking Baltimore. I like that that half point that we're getting there. Yeah, under a touchdown. I agree. I just – look, New England, New England, their strength offensively is running the ball. Baltimore's – Baltimore's defense is good enough to stop the New England run. That makes Cam Newton a passer. Baltimore's pass defense is pretty darn good, too. I don't think the Patriots will be able to score much. I think New England, by the way, because this is what they do, they do what you don't think they're going to do. They're going to probably come out and try to pass down the field um, against well, Baltimore. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to go well. well. Yeah, they're going to try. They're going to try, and I think Cam yeah. Newton's going to have like two or three interceptions in this game. Yes, right. And then and Belichick is going to have to rethink that whole trickery thing yeah. he likes to do. This is... Um, and it's going to be, and and I think New England, they know from last year because Baltimore dominated New England last year, gave gave New England their first loss last year, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, New England yeah. has to spy <clears throat> Lamar Jackson, and you know that's that spy ha- having that spy on the field is going to open a little bit more up in the passing game. So I think the tight ends will be a little bit more involved. I just I don't see it. I, I predict this score is twenty to nine. I don't think it's going to be like a crazy out of this world thing, but you know Baltimore covers comfortably. You know, I said two I'm, touchdowns. I'm, I have I'm right 11. on point with you. <clears throat> yep. I think we've been four for four in agreement. Have we not? We have. That might be the first yeah. time all season that we agree on. Yes, I think so. Well, let's do some rapid fire. Um, just close this thing out, dude. You good with that? Let's do it. All right. All right. So the games we haven't talked about: Indianapolis versus Tennessee. Bovada has Indianapolis plus twenty-two uh, point five. I'm sorry, not twenty-five. Indianapolis plus two point five versus Tennessee. Who you got? Tennessee. I like them. I still do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Indianapolis to cover. I feel like this is going to be like a one or two point game. So I'll take mm-hmm. the points here. Um, Indianapolis's defense, they're going to give Derrick Henry, you know, a hard time. But I do think Ryan Tannehill's a good enough quarterback to get it done. I do think he's playing better than Phillip Rivers. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting one. And Tennessee's defense is not playing well. They need to get better in a hurry. Yeah, right. Uh, we got Cincinnati plus nine versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Roethlisberger should play, according to reports. Okay, I'm actually going to take Cincinnati, not to win by any means, but I think they're going to cover those nine points, man. I really do. Division game. I got to back up what I was talking about yeah. 20 minutes ago. Coming off a of bye week, Joe Burrow, man, this team puts up points. I, I was talking with David on the Fantasy Football Almanac podcast, and I agree with you, Brad. I'm going to take Cincinnati to cover. I think Pittsburgh easily wins, but yes, right. as I easily wins for sure. You know, they could be up. I was telling him, I, I said, you know, they could be up by 15 points for 57 minutes. And and Joe Burrow comes down, gets a, a cheap touchdown exactly. late and exactly. covers the spread. And I think that's totally. what's going to happen here. Pittsburgh wins comfortably, but Cincinnati's offense is too good to be getting nine points, in my opinion. They put up too many points. I agree. I think the line should be about seven. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would have the line at seven and a half to make Pittsburgh beat you by eight. And I think I think that's yes. what it should be. So yeah, I like the value there for Cincy. Uh, Houston, according to Bavada, plus three versus the Cleveland Browns. Houston. You well, know, I like the way Houston's playing football. We talked about their schedule to open up the season, how brutal it yes, was. Well, yes. it's their schedule is getting a little bit better. Plus, they have the fortune of playing Cleveland without Odell Beckham. Like I like Cleveland, don't get me wrong, but I think Houston will score enough points, and they're getting points. Um, and Cleveland is, to me, without Beckham, is still a little bit of an unknown entity. If they had Beckham, I would take Cleveland going away in this, but right. I don't. They I'm don't. With you. 
Uh, Jacksonville, big line here. Bavada has it plus 14 versus the uh, Green Bay Packers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, that is a huge, huge line. line. I, it's funny because I do think the Packers are going to win by 14. <laughs> um, but that's a lot of points. Yeah. It's a lot of points. Uh, I don't want to give off bad juju. I got to take Green Bay. I'll take – I'm exactly with you. I stay away from this game. It's too big of a line. And Jacksonville sure. – like similar to Cincinnati, Jacksonville scores a lot of points. If, if Jacksonville had Gardner Minshew in the lineup – I'd probably take them. They have a backup quarterback. I got to think that's good enough for Green Bay to cover. I had this like right around a 14 to 17 point. I stay away. Yeah. That's too many points for me, but I'll Way take Green Bay. I hate those lines. Can't yeah. do those lines. I would tease them, but not straight up. I do like this one, though. Uh, Philadelphia, Bavada has min- uh, three po- minus 3.5. Philadelphia minus 3.5 versus the New York Giants. Mm, this is interesting. I like this game. Mm-hmm. Um the Giants are improving. They are. They are improving. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take the Giants because hmm. of that 0.5. Because you never know what you're going to get out of Carson Wentz. I'm sorry. And that Eagle team. I'm going to take Philadelphia here because they get Dallas Goddard back. I think that's uh-huh. massively important for this team. Uh, both defenses are playing well. I like the Giants defense a lot. Um, but Philadelphia off the bye week, getting Dallas Goddard back, finally... They have somebody over the middle that they can rely on. I'm going to take Philly to cover this spread, but it's an interesting one because if Philly loses this game, they go to what three, five, and one, um, and then the Giants would yeah. go to, I believe, three and six. Yes, right. This is actually kind of an awful game when you look at it, but it's massive for the NFC East yeah. because if the if the Eagles win, they go up like two and a half games or something like that on everybody else. So yeah, it's a big mm-hmm. one. Uh, Tampa Bay Bavada has minus seven coming off that awful loss versus the Carolina Panthers? Um, well, two disparaging opinions for myself. I like Bridgewater, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's an odd last name, don't you think? Bridgewater. It's like two things. One goes over the other. Yeah. It's yeah. a weird last name. It is a like, weird, yeah, I give that. Aaron, Aaron Sheet, Sheet Mattress. That's like... Uh, who came I, up with that last name? I was doing a... Speaking of weird last names, I was doing a mock draft. Um and there's a there's a guy there's a prospect whose last name is Leatherwood. Well, which one is it? Is it leather or is it wood? You tell me. Come on. Is it the bridge or the water? You can't have both. You can't have both. It's one or the other. It's an odd deal. Whoever came up with that is boy, that guy deserves a medal. Um, so I like Teddy Bridgewater, and I I feel like he's a winner and underrated, and I think they can compete with anyone. And I will say this, Tampa Bay was humiliated. Yeah. Humiliated. Yeah. So because of that, I am going to take them to cover. Yeah, they were humiliated after the Chicago loss, Brad, um, when Brady, yeah. you know, specifically he, Brady, when he Bay. lost track of the downs. Yeah. And they came out and they were on fire. Now, Carolina probably is going to be without Christian McCaffrey, the last I saw. I like yeah, Mike Davis. And I do like Teddy Bridgewater, and I love what Carolina is doing. They're so much better than I thought they would be offensively. Well, offensively, I thought they would be good, but defensively, they're a lot better than I thought they would be, and they're getting better. I'm going to take Tampa just because they got embarrassed. I believe in that. Yeah, me too. And but Bridgewater, I like I like what they're building, man. Like Carolina next year, and I think long term because Breeze and, and um, Brady are not going to play forever. Carolina is the next team in this division once those guys kind of go away, and they'll start really competing. I believe next year it'll be kind of a heavier uh, uh, NFC South, but that'll be a fun one, fun one to watch for me. Next game we got the Washington Football Team plus three point five versus the Detroit Lions. Washington plus three point five versus Detroit. Detroit. Let's go with Detroit, baby. 
Yeah, Detroit got housed. Detroit covers the spread every other week. Washington, they go to Alex Smith because Kyle Allen hurts himself. Alex Smith, they're not going to score a lot of points. You know, he's going to put up like 17 points, maybe 20 points. Detroit's offense will do enough to get it done. They'll cover that spread, I think. feel pretty good about that one. We got the Denver Broncos plus 4.5 versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to take Las Vegas too, man. Derek Carr, man, he's he is. I've been criticizing him about his ability to throw deep. He has been throwing a little bit deeper. I watched that game against the Chargers. He's taking advantage of some stuff. Like the the Raiders, their their issue is all defensive now. Their offense is even with the wide receiver issues that they have, they're putting up points. They just need a, a better defense. But um, you know, Denver, Drew Locke for some reason just catches fire in the fourth quarter. Almost came back uh, on Atlanta last week. Two weeks ago, yeah. came back on the Chargers. Dude is a comeback specialist, but he's got to play better in the first half. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We got the oh, speaking of the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers plus two and a half versus Miami, according to Bavada. Mm, what a great game! Yeah, that I is like a fun this one. Game. I like this game a lot. Yeah, and I like the quarterback for the Chargers. I'm going to take them actually. I think Tua gets his first loss. You know, I'm going to take the the Dolphins because of their defense. <clears throat> I think the Dolphins' defense is playing better than the Chargers' defense now, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I think we're going to get something similar. Herbert's the man. I mean, I love him. And then Tua, I mean, we get a, a battle of rookie quarterbacks. It's quite interesting. I'll take I'll take Miami, um, although I do have concerns about the Miami running game. Uh, the last one we haven't covered, Brad, is the Minnesota Vikings, according to Bavada, minus 2.5 versus the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Vikings because of Dalvin Cook. The guy's on fire. I'm going to take killing it. Yeah, dude, I think that, um, I, I look, the Bears can't score. And Minnesota Man, is terrible. getting better. They're Some, terrible. They're terrible. Dalvin Minnesota Cook is I, getting better. Yeah. Yeah. They got momentum. They're getting better playing well. Yep. So um, I agree. The Dalvin Cook factor does enough to get it done. I'll take yep. Minnesota over Chicago Monday Night Football. To recap, anybody who's watching this segment that uh, hasn't caught the other segments, Brad and I both took Baltimore minus 6.5 over New England. We actually agreed on all of our featured games this week, which is rare. Uh, Brad and I both took Seattle plus one because we always take Russell Wilson plus points. It doesn't matter. So we're taking Seattle. We're actually taking Russell Wilson plus one versus the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, we're taking Arizona minus 1.5 over the Buffalo Bills. That's my personal favorite game to watch this week. Not to bet, but to watch. I'm actually not going to bet that game because I think it can go either way. And then, uh, gosh, there's oh, San Francisco. We uh, we both took New Orleans minus 7 over the San Francisco 49ers, who are just so banged up. We don't think they can yeah. compete with uh, New Orleans' offense. So there you go. That's the show, Brad. Anything for the crowd before we go? Um, I got nothing to say to anybody. Yeah, me neither. Go out, make some bets, get paid. You want to get paid? Then get paid. Sean and Brad help you with the games. From the fantasy to the gambling. We the NFL experts help you win. You better tune in for the two hosts. They know everything from the players to the coaches. So get paid on a Sunday. Because the team right here know the game the most. From Chi-Town to the Florida coast. Got swag. Got butter with the toast. Brad's a washed up model. Don't hate on that. Sean writes the fantasy football almanac. So quit that losing time to win. We talk fantasy or real. Whatever you win. You're going to wish this podcast never ends. Now get ready for the best show to begin. Let's go.